this is Anish from India. Now I am going to read chapter number three, The Letters from No One. The estate of Brindley was a constriction and Henry his longest ever punishment. By the time he was allowed out of his cupboard again, the holidays had started and Debbie had already broken his new fine camera, crashed his remote control aeroplane and first time on his racing bike knocked down old Mrs. Pick as she crossed a private drive on her project. Harry was glad school was over, but there was no escaping Danny Stan who visited the house every single day. Fires, Dennis, Michael and Gordon were all big and stupid, but Dudley was the biggest and stupidest of the lot. He was as the leader. The rest of them were all quite happy to join Dudley's favorite sport. This was why Harry spent as much time as possible out of his house, wandering around and thinking about the end of the holidays when he could see a tiny ray of hope. When September came, he, could, he would be going off to secondary school and for the first time in his life, he wouldn't be with Daddy. Daddy had a place at Uncle Smolin's old school, Milton. Fires took his foot also going back in. Harry on the other hand was going to Stonewall High, the local comprehensive. Dudley thought this was very funny. He stuck people's heads down the corner first day at Stonewall. He told him, Want to come and practice? Want to come upstairs and practice? Sometimes, said Harry. The poor toilet never had anything as horrible as a head down. It's fantastic. Then he ran before Dudley could work out what he said. One day in July, Aunt Petunia took Dudley to London to buy his melting uniform, leaving Harry at Mrs. Pick's. Mrs. Pick wasn't as bad as usual. It turned out she broke up her leg, tripping over one of her cats, and she didn't be quite fond of as of them as before. She let Harry watch television and gave him a visit of chocolate cake tasted as soon he had it for several years. That evening, Dudley paraded around the living room for his family in the brand new uniform, smelting boys who would be muddy tail coats, orange cake crackers, and flat straw hats called bootos. They also carried my mistakes used for things. Each other while each other weren't looking. This was supposed to be a good training for little life. As he looked at Dudley in his new makeup walker, Uncle Vernon said gruffly that it was the proudest moment of his life. Aunt Pedunia burst into tears that she could believe that her uncle that she killed. He looked so handsome and grown up. Harry didn't trust himself to speak. The thought two of his wits might have already cracked from her trying to talk. There was a horrible spread in the kitchen next morning when Harry went into a bath. It came to be coming from a large metal tub in his bed. He went to have a look. The tub was full of what looked like dirty rats swimming in grey water. What's this? He asked Aunt Victoria. Her lips tightened as they always dared to ask a question. They are used to uniform, she said. Harry looked down in the bowl again. 
Oh, he said. I didn't realize it had been so wet. Don't be stupid. I'm tying some old deadly things gray for you. It will look red just like everyone when I said. Hey, seriously doubted this, but thought it was not best to argue. He sat down at the table and tried to not think about he was going to look on the first day at Stonewall High. Like he was wearing a bit of old elephant skin purple. Deadly and Uncle Bernie came in. Both the drinking noses because the smell of heavy snow uniform. Uncle Bernie opened his newspaper as usual and Bernie ran the smelling stage wherever he carried them on the day. They heard the click of letterbox and flock of letters on the format. Get the post, Ducky, said Uncle Bernie from behind his paper. Harry get it. Get the post, Harry. Make Dudley get it. Poke him with a smelting stick, Harry. Harry dropped his smelting stick and went to get the post. Three things lay on the doorway. A postcard from Uncle from Uncle Bernie from March. Who was holidays on the Isle of Wight. A brown envelope that looked like a bill and a picture for heaven. Harry took it up and stared at it. They heart twanging like an giant elastic bag. No one ever in his whole life had written to him. Hopeful, he had no friends, no other creators. He didn't even belong to his library, so he never even got food much for books back. Yet, it was a letter addressed to him that could be no Mr. Harry Potter. He covered under the stairs for private tight little villain side. The envelope was thick and heavy with a yellow parchment and address was written in emblem three things. There was no stamp. Turning the envelope before his hands trembling, Harry saw a purple wax key wearing coat of arms, a lion, and even a badger and a snake surrounding a letter H. Hurry up, boy! shouted Uncle Warren from the kitchen. What are you doing? Checking for Little bones, he chuckled at his phone door. Harry went back to the kitchen, still, still staring at the letter. He handed Uncle Vernon the bill and the postcard, sat down and slowly began to open the yellow envelope. Uncle Vernon ripped open the bill, nodded in disgust, and flipped over the book. Mazel, he informed Uncle Tonya, a funny belt. Dad, said Teddy suddenly. Dad, Harry's got something. Harry was on the point of opening and pulling his letter, which was written on the same heavy parchment as the envelope where it was shook sharply out of his hand by Uncle Bernard. Could be writing you. Your Uncle Bowen sneaking his letter open with one eye and laughing. His face went from red to green faster than set of traffic lights, and it did stop there. Within seconds, it was raised white of old person. Oh, what the fuck? It's a fucking bitch. It's a fucking bitch. It's a fucking bitch. It's a fucking bitch. It's and Kutumia took it seriously and read the first line. For a moment, it looked as if she might faint. She clutched her throat and made a choking noise. Oh my! She stared at each other. 
seemed to have forgotten that Harry and Dennis were still in the room. Idly wasn't used to be ignored. He gave his father a sharp tap on the head with his smelting stick. I want to read that letter, he said loudly. I want to read it, said Harry furiously. As it's mine. Get out of me, quoth Uncle Bonnie, stuffing his the letter back inside his envelope. Harry did move. I want my letter, he shouted. Let me see, demanded Daddy. Ow! Poor Uncle Bonnie. And he took both Harry and Daddy by the scruffs of their necks and threw them into a hall, slamming the kitchen door behind them. Harry and Daddy promptly had a serious but silent fight over who would listen at these people. Daddy went to Harry to scratch standing from one year. They flat on the stomach to listen between the cracks between the door and the wall and answered to me the same in a foreign way. She said, I said, how people possibly know where to see. You don't think they are in the house? Watch it's fine. It is funny. But it has to be one of What should we do, Lamia? Should we write them back and tell them we don't want? Ready to see Uncle Vernon standing like just pacing up and down the kitchen. No, he said finally. No, he ignored it. If they don't get an answer, that's the best. He won't do anything. But I'm not having one in the house for you. They just stare where when you put it and you stand out there. They just jump in the evening when he got back from work. Uncle Vernon did something he's never done before. He did it in his cupboard. Where's my hair? Said Harry the moment Uncle Vernon had squeezed through the door. Don't try to to me. I am no worse. It was a to you by mistake. Said Uncle Vernon softly. It was not a mistake, said Harry angrily. It had my cupboard on it. Silence! Said Uncle Vernon had a couple of silence from his feet. It took a few deep breaths and then forced his face to a smile which looked quite thin. Harry is Harry of the suburbs who aren't a man who intended to really get me good for it. But he might think it would be nice if you moved into Daddy's second bedroom. Why? said Harry. Don't ask questions. Start it Take the stuff up upstairs now. Daddy's house has four beds. One for Uncle Warren and Uncle Peter. One for Peter, usually Aunt, usually Uncle Warren to command. One where Daddy stayed, left, and one where Daddy Daddy kept all his toys and things that wouldn't fit in his foster. It took only Harry one trip to upstairs to move it from the cupboard to the room. He sat down on his bed and stared at it. Nearly everything in here was frozen. A month old sign camera was lying on top of a small working plan that we had once driven over the next door stop. In the corner was Teddy's first ever television set, which he put his foot through when his favorite program was had been cancelled. It was a large goldfish which once held a parrot that Teddy had back at school for the real end title, which was upon a shelf with the end because Daddy had sat on it. Other shelves were full of books. There were only things in the room that looked who they had never missed. From downstairs came the sound of Daddy.
the speaker minds walk in strange faces. Jumia, they are not like you and me, said Uncle Bonin, trying to knock in the name with a piece of food face which answered Jumia had gotten. On Friday, no fewer than twelve letters arrived for Harry. As they couldn't go to the letter box, they had been put under the door, slotted to the sides and and to even post two small windows in the downstairs toilet. Uncle Bonnie stayed at home away. After burning up all the letters, he got out hammer and nails and bolted up the cracks in front and back door so no one could go out. He hummed tip to the toilet as he walked and jumped at small noises. On Saturday, things began to get out of sight. Twenty-four letters to Harry found their way into the house, rolled up and hidden each inside a food that is that they are very confused with my head handed and Sukuna to the living room window. While Uncle Warren made curious telephone calls to post office and the daddy trying to find Something to explain to Aunt Petunia shredded the letters in a food picture. What is this? What's the coffee? This bag. Dudley asked Harry amazed. On Sunday morning, Uncle Vernon sat down at the breakfast table looking tired and rather ill but happy. Oh, who's on Sunday? He reminded them happily as he spread marmalade on his new table. No damn letters. Something came whizzing down the kitchen chimney as he woke and caught him sharply on the back of his head. Next moment, next moment, thirty to forty letters came spelting out of fireplace helpless. The dusty dust was heavy, leapt out into the air and trying to catch up. Ouch! Ouch! Uncle Warren ceased heavy around the waist and threw him into the hall. When Aunt Petunia and Daddy had run out with their arms over their faces, Uncle Vernon slapped the door shut, but they could still hear the letters still screaming into the room, pounding of wall and floor. That does it, said Uncle Vernon, and speak calmly, but pulling great stuff out of his mouth. At the same time, he said, I'm going to all back here, I'm ready to leave. We are going away just back into a cow arguments. He looks so dangerous with half his moustache to be seen that no one dared to argue. Ten minutes later, they had wrenched their way through the coded of doors and were in the car speeding towards the motorway. That he was sniffling with the back seat. His father had sitting round his head for holding them up while he tried to pack his television, video, and his computer in his boots. They drove and they drove. Even Aunt Petunia and asked where they were going. Even now and then, Uncle Vernon would take a sharp turn and drive in opposite direction. Shake him off, shake him off. He could mutter whenever he did this. They didn't stop to eat or drink by all day. By night, for dead, he was howling. He's never had such a bad day in his life. He was hungry. He despised television programs. He wanted to see and he had never gone so long without blowing up an onion on his computer. Uncle Vernon stopped at last outside a gloomy looking hotel on the outskirts of a big city. 
studies and head scared alone with twin beds and damp musty seats. Pretty snored but Henny stayed awake, sitting on the windowsill, staring down at the lights of passing cars and workers. They ate same cornflakes and cooked same cornflakes and cold tinned tomatoes on toast for breakfast next day. We had just finished when the owner of the hotel came to the table. Excuse me, but is one of you Mr. Harry Potter? Only I got about an hundred of these at the front desk. He held up a letter so they could read the green ink address. Mr. Harry Potter. Room 17, Rodeo Hotel, Cokeworth. Harry made a draft for the letter, but Uncle Gordon knocked his hand out of the way. The woman said, I'll take them. Standing up quickly and following her from the dining room. Wouldn't it be better just go to home, dear Aunt Virginia suggested simply, timidly, our greater first Uncle Vernon weekend came to hear her. Exactly what he was looking for. None of them knew. He drove them into the middle of a forest, walked out, looked around, shook his head, called back into the car, and off they went again. The same thing happened in the middle of a plot field, halfway across the suspension bridge, and at the top of a multi-store car park. That is quite mad. Has it been steady? asked Aunt Virginia, dully raised and at after. When Uncle Vernon had parked at the coast, locked them all inside the car and disappeared. It started to rain. Great drops beat on the roof and the car. Study snivelled. It's Monday, he told his mother. Great hump out of one tonight. I want to see someone with a television. Monday, this reminded Harry of something. If it was Monday, then you could usually count on study to know the days of the week. Because of television, then tomorrow it was Tuesday, was Harry's 11th birthday. Of course, his birthday was exactly fine. Last year, the daddy had given him a cute handbag and a pair of Uncle Vernon's old shorts. Still, he won 11 every day. Uncle Vernon was back and he was smiling. He was also carrying a long thin package that didn't answer and Virginia when she asked what it was. Found the corset perfect place. Come on everyone. It was very cold outside the car. Uncle Vernon was pointing ice that looked like a large rock away out in the sea. First on the top of the rock was a most miserable shack you could imagine. One thing was certain. There was no television in there. Strong focus for tonight, said Uncle and the gentleman kindly agreed to lend us his coat. A toothless old man came angling up to them, pointing with a rather wicked grin at an old growing boat bobbing in iron grey water below them. I've already got the summer ashes, said Uncle Vernon. So on a boat. It was seasoned in the boat. Ice, sea spray. I see sea spray and rain crept down their necks and chilly wind whipped their faces. Afterwards, in life hours, they reached the rock where Uncle Vernon, slipping and sliding, led the way 
to the broken house. The inside was horrible. It smelled strongly of seaweed. The wind whistled through the gaps in the wooden walls, and, and the fireplace was damp and empty. There was only two rooms. Uncle Vernon Parsons turned out to be a packet of crisps each and four bananas. He tried to start a fire, but the empty crisp packets just smoked and shriveled up. Good do with some of these letters now, eh? He said carefully. He was in a very good mood. Obviously, he thought nobody stood a chance of reaching them. Here in storm to deliver the post. Harry privately agreed thought to the thought that cheered up him and her. As the night, as the night fell, promised storm blew up around there. A spray from highway splattered around the walls of the hut, and a fierce wind crackling the filthy windows. Aunt Petunia found a few mouldy blankets in the second room and made up a bed for Dudley on the small eaten sofa. She and Uncle Hunnewish went off to the lumpy bed next door, and as Harry was left to find the softest bit of low paper. Blue and color under the thinnest and the most ragged blanket. The storm raged more and more ferociously as the night went on. Harry couldn't get sleep. He shivered and turned over, trying to get something to his stomach, rumbling with hunger. Deadly snores were rolled by low rolls of thunder that started near midnight. The lighted dials of Deadly's watch, which was standing over the edge of sofa on his fat wrist, told that he'd be eleven in ten minutes' time. He laid and watched his birthday tick nearer. One day, one train, if the Dursleys would remember at all, wondering where the letter writer was now. Five minutes to go, Harry heard something creak outside. He hoped that, that the roof wasn't going to fall in. Also, he might be warmer if he did. Four minutes to go. Maybe the house in the forest drive would be so full of letters in any word bag that he'd be able to see one somehow. Three minutes to go. Most of the sea slapping hard on the rock like that. And two minutes to go. What was that funny scratching noise? Was the rock crumpling into the sea? One minute to go. And he'd be 11. 30 seconds. 20 seconds. Nice. Maybe he will tell you just to announce him. 3, 2, 1. The whole cat shivered and Harry sat pulled up and staring at the door. Someone was outside, knocking to come.